sweet. All right, welcome back to the Podmore Get Better podcast. Uh, it's the Golden Tea Podcast. We, it's been about a week since Worlds. Uh, I finally recovered mentally, physically, emotionally. Yeah, the uh, hangover's finally gone from Las Vegas. I, IT put on a hell of a show. Uh, the Orleans uh, had cheap drinks. Uh, Cindy, the dealer at the blackjack table, put on a hell of a show as well. Cindy and Beaver. Uh, Beaver is a guy, by the way. So, of course so he you, is. You may need to visit him. But yeah, we're uh, we're finally fully recovered. Uh, unfortunately, we've started drinking tonight. But uh, I'm gonna throw it over to uh, Tony Johnson, aka Whammy. Uh, we're gonna do a little uh, world's recap. We're gonna try to keep this nice and short. We apologize for the delay in uh, getting this fully released. But uh, obligations coming back from Vegas fully take over. Yeah. So uh, let's start off first talking about the silver bracket. So the guys that did not qualify for the gold bracket. And there were some extremely good players that, that missed the cut. And we talked about them a little bit on uh, on uh, Sunday at Worlds. But we've got the, the biggest names that missed the cut were Andy Fox, Clint Grover, uh, Brewer, Brian B., and Jeff McClellan. Yeah, some of those guys, you, you looked at their odds. Obviously, initially, Andy Fox, he, he got he got bought down to as, as low as 3-1. to one. Uh, Clint Grover was sitting decent. I mean, these I think he these, was fifteen to one, right in that range. Eighteen. Yeah, to these one. these are good established guys. We we talked about Chris Brewer kind of being uh, someone who is kind of sneaky new coming onto the scene, but shooting great scores. Great and scores, not, and, and really played a lot of tournaments recently to try to get the experience that he felt like he needed. Yeah. To compete with the guys that have been playing for a lot longer than he has. Yeah, I got to qualify with uh, with Chris. I, I think it was our first time formally playing together, whether in match play or qualifiers, and then long-termers Brian Bernhardt and Jeff McClellan. So uh, silver. So the cut line was right at uh, 134. We talked about it on Sunday. but So Harlow was the bubble boy. He was the last guy in, and then Clint Grover was the last guy out. He was number 33. Uh, both actually did uh, quite well for themselves. Silver bracket winner actually ended up being Clint Grover. He ended up beating, uh, it's a single elimination bracket, which is a little bit unusual for a Golden Tee tournament. Yeah. The gold bracket was double elim, but the silver bracket was single elim. And so Clint Grover ended up winning. He beat uh, Minnesota boy, Luke Nelson. Third, fourth uh, was Chad Hart and Jeff McClellan. So uh, those were still really good paydays, really good results to go through as 32-man bent. 32-man single elim is pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, you, you you look at, you know, Clint Grover and then Jeff Harlow. Obviously, I'm sure Clint Grover, that Saturday night after qualifying, coming in at number 33, was probably pretty frustrated about that. He's he's a top-tier guy. You know, we talk about the Vegas odds. We talk about guys who are hammering out a lot of games. For him to qualify 33rd, I'm sure it was quite frustrating for him. And then Jeff Harlow, who hasn't been playing that much because he's a long-term veteran, um, he was probably happy to make the main bracket, but on the flip side, knows he's good enough to probably make a mid-teens qualifier run. He's slow and steady. He has a good, consistent game. Um, where he was probably a little frustrated to come in at, at a number 32 yep. and ultimately have Andy Haas, I believe it was, in the first round. Yeah, I don't recall. We'll look at that bracket in a little bit. Um, no, I'm, I'm incorrect. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, we, we, we've been drinking here. But <laughs> we're going to pull up the brackets. Um. So uh, next we want to talk about the main bracket, the gold bracket. And, and Will was right. Jeff Harlow did play Andy Haas in the first round and, and beat him. 
Yeah, I, I apologize. We got audio issues. We're uh, sitting out here on a overcast evening, potential storm warnings, having some beers, and uh, we got cars driving by the whole deal, but uh, we're going to bear through it. We're back in the game. Yeah, so I think there's some really interesting matches in the first round. We talked about Harlow beating Haas. They played on Calypso. Uh, we've got Paul Luna dropping a 31 on Royal to beat Minnesota boy Al's Rule. Um, let's see what else we got. We had a we had a uh, sudden death match on Royal. We got Oldie versus Brown. Uh, let's see what else. JoJo beat Will. Sorry, Will. Yeah, first round he he hold out twice. On Mystic. Yeah, twenty nine on Mystic. Uh, I assume five wasn't drivable. Five five was borderline drivable. It was uh, back box. He pulled out some crazy five wood or four wood C three and went in the sand he chushed it in with an eight iron uh he holed out one more time in the round i played clean i was pointing my ass off i think 40 or fifty thousand, buzzing a lot of holes but uh he held it he he absolutely held it it was the first time i'd ever played with him and absolutely loved it he was he was stone cold it was very fun and even think, even to lose and i think you probably gave him the confidence that he needed to yeah make for, a deep for that run second place tournament. run I, that that would have been my second place run jojo but uh maybe next year playboy yeah, next year uh I beat uh, Jeff Sudiak, some other ones. Stenmark sni- snuck out a round against Jagger on Mystic. Kins beat Gervais 30 to 27 on Safari, and uh, Welter beat Jared Decker 30 to 27 on uh, on Royal. And then uh, Rattlesnake battle of battle of heavyweights Thorbrager versus the Mouth 26-22. Yeah, Must kind have been of some twelve issues. Yeah, kind kind of some old schoolers there. You know, you, you talk about Mouth being around a while and and Thor being around a while, but Thor hasn't played many games and and he put up a good number and and ultimately that Mouth matchup uh, with with the loss there, you know, resulted with him getting Duncan and uh, there, you know, YouTube videos of the whole thing and you know have what you will, but people have kind of anticipated having a Mouth versus Duncan match. In, in a huge round, not not just aside the potential ten thousand dollar money game or whatnot, but uh, it, it was definitely exciting to see that play out. Yeah, when we looked at that bracket, we thought, well, if they both win or they both lose, it's going to be Mouth versus Duncan. Yeah. In this case, they happen to both lose, which made it an elimination match. And again, yeah. we we've been down this road. Um, not really worth going over too much more, but a uh, little bit of controversy in that match. Uh, so then you go. You've got at that point you've got 16 winners and 16 losers, and the pressure's on both sides. Yeah. You've, you've got the winners who are thinking, well, if I win this, all of a sudden I'm in the quarterfinals. You've got the losers who are now staring 0-2 in the face, and uh, and you had eight guys that got knocked out that next round, and uh, one of those being one of the odds-on favorites, Andy Haas. Yeah, big shocker there. That was, you know, there were a lot of people who bought betting tickets early when the initial odds came out. You look at a name like Andy Haas, and people saw the initial odds and said, I'm going to throw some money at that. You know, this this guy's a world champion. He goes deep in every single tournament. And under a pressure situation like this, he has the background to to make one of those deep runs. Yeah, and, I mean, there was other other really strong players that got knocked out. Brian Oldie got knocked out. Sudiak got knocked out by by Will over here. Uh, Mouth versus Duncan we talked about, so Mouth got knocked out there. Uh, Mike Johnston got knocked out, uh, and then uh, so then we got the the winner's side. Great and, matches there. Yeah, obviously some some great matches. 
Harlow continued his run, beat uh, GBK, Gossett, first of many matches against other uh, other power caters. Gossett beat Luna 31-26 on Rattlesnake. Yeah, Seth Sandifer, you know, he goes up against Lance Harris. Lance Harris came off as one of the early betting favorites. I think got down as low as 5-1, Yeah, 3-1, to 4-1. to one. Um, I know some people, I think he got got in late at a 6-1. to one. And Seth Standifer um, is a Mystic master. And he, he ended up playing Lance on Mystic in the second round uh, to go 2-0. and He drops a 31 to a 20-29, which is just absolutely sick. Yeah, that's at least a two-better. Uh, I hadn't seen that until just now. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Uh, JoJo knocked me uh, on Rattlesnake down to the loser's bracket. Stenmark and Kinsler went into extras. Stenmark knocked Kinsler to the loser's bracket, 29-29 on the Royal. Yeah, I think, that was, I think that was the last match of that second round, and they were left yep. on the stage. So they kept going and going and going. Yeah, I, I, I think it was probably about, goodness, I want to say it was Royal Dubai 16. So they played a full 18, went another 16 holes. I think Stenmark hit a three-wood on Royal Dubai 16, stuck the green. Kinsler tried to, tried to absolutely pound a five-wood, came up short. And you, you could kind of hear the you know the the crowd let loose like okay this is over it was frustrating because Kinsler is one of those players who who has has the street cred he has the background in in the whole deal and they put on a great match they were the only ones left on the stage they were up on the second tier up on the left there were a lot of folks on the rail watching that match yeah I mean it's a it's a it's a match against former world champions right Kins yeah. has two Stenmark has one looking for a back to back and that was a great match. Yeah, you've got a better better memory. Specific shots yeah. on hole sixteen. <laughs> it was it, it was still early in the day. Uh, maybe not as many uh, beers, but uh, yeah, it, it was really fun to watch that match when when everyone cleared all the stage. I think it was just Kinsler and Stenmark left on the stage, and then obviously Kevin and Adam at the announcers booth, and uh, they they had their backs turned to it, just watching from their computer feed, and then Matt Van Hoosier on the stage, just kind of sitting there waiting for something to happen. But uh, it, it was a great match. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, so then we, uh, we go from there to the third round on the winner's bracket. And in my mind, this is, I mean, they're all important matches, but this is the most important one. This is the one that yeah. jumps you from the, the quarterfinals to the, to the semifinals. And now this you're is, deep. Now, now you're deep. You're really guaranteed deep. top six. At the, if you win this, you're guaranteed top six. You're already guaranteed top 12. But, but now you're really in that, you know, things, get, things go from pretty wide in terms of the amount of, uh, people get knocked out to pretty narrow as soon as you get to this to this section, and, and we had some really great great matchups. Uh, Gossett against another uh, power cater took out Jeff Harlow. Uh, Seth beat Paul Taylor on Rhineland. Jojo beat uh, Ayala on Safari, and Mark Stenmark beat Welter on Rhineland. So at this point, we've got a semifinals in the winners bracket at least of previous world champ. Last year's second place, Evan Gossett, who we talked about, you know, has a lot of really good finishes recently. And now Seth, who we also talked about on the podcast, as a guy that doesn't have a ton of good finishes, but has been playing a ton and has been putting up really good scores. Yeah, so, and so we look at this, and, and you got O coming in there, and he's on safari playing JoJo, last year's second place finisher, loses by a stroke. And, and you see his name on the leaderboards, but you don't see him at a lot of tournaments. So for him... To make a run right there where he's 2-0 and literally looking to finish in the top six minimum, 
that, that that's a great run. Absolutely strong showing. Yep. So uh, now uh, from there we've got we've got our semifinals that we talked about, but uh, let's flip back over to the losers bracket real quick. We start to see some big names starting to get knocked out in the second round of the losers bracket. Uh, Kins, you know, after that long match against Denmark, lost to Ryan Sparks. Thor lost to Ed Godfrey. Will got knocked out against uh, Lance Harris. Calypso, I assume two wasn't uh, drivable, 29-28. We'll assume he hold out on you. We both had a hole out. That's all right. Yeah. Um, we got uh, Duncan surviving against Robert Brown. Gervais gets knocked, knocked out against Luna. And GVK gets knocked out at that point. So now we're, we're starting to narrow things a little bit. This is, these, are the, uh, these are the 16 to 24 finishers for Yes, uh, 17 to 24 finishers. And now now we're in the top 16. We're going to stick in the loser's bracket for a little bit. And and at this point, every match at this point is worth 500 bucks. Yeah. You win, 500 bucks. Win another one, 500 bucks. Win another one, 500 bucks. Uh, so at this point, you, you're not necessarily thinking about that at the time. You just want to you want to win in, in advance. but. But when you look back at the at the tournament, you say, "Wow, okay, that match was worth 500 bucks." Yeah, folk, at, at this point in the tournament, folks are starting to look at their Calcutta money. If you got into a Calcutta previous to the tournament, you're also starting to look at your betting slips. You know, you had Andy Fox miss the cut. I mean, there are guys who folks are laying 20, 40, 50, even 100 bucks on, expecting to go pretty deep in this tourney, and, and all of a sudden they're they're starting to drop out, myself included. So it, it started to get interesting as the the, the herd started thinning. So in uh, knocked out in this round, these would be the uh, 13 to 16 finishers. Ryan Sparks got knocked out on Calypso against Jeff Lannon. Uh, I knocked out Eddie Godfrey on Calypso. Uh, Lance knocked out Dave Duncan. Uh, Mouth was cheering for that one. Uh, knocked him, knocked him out on Royal. And a lot of Calypso rounds here. Paul Luna knocked out Jared Decker on Calypso. Homeowner Jared Decker. I didn't. I, I guess I wasn't paying that much attention. I didn't realize that he had. He'd gotten uh, 13 to 16. That's a great showing. He hasn't been to a lot of tournaments. Uh, you know, obviously playing a lot at home, qualified at home. Um, you know, up and coming player, perhaps. Yeah, that repetition where you may not see that name that often, but 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 he's stone cold in terms of going through there and, and making it that deep into a world championship field is is a great accomplishment for him. So we move to the next round of the losers bracket, and and again we're knocking out four guys this round. Uh, Harlow. Sneaks by Jeff Lannon, 29-28 uh, on Mayfield. I got by uh, Paul Taylor, 28-25 on Mayfield. Awesome water ball by me on 18. Just annoyed myself on that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Just bombed a forward long for whatever reason. Uh, Calypso, extra holes. O versus Lance Harris. Lance Harris ended up winning that one. And then Mystic, uh, Paul Luna versus Walter. Paul Luna just plowing through the loser's bracket here. Uh, took out Walter on Mystic. Now we're getting to the nitty-gritty. We're uh, looking at top eight at this point, and there was two matches in this round, me versus Harlow on Calypso. I feel like Calypso got spun about half these matches. Yeah. Uh, the mo I, I would say the least interesting course. Perhaps Mayfield has an argument, but but Calypso, in my mind, is, is probably the least interesting course. Uh, I got it a few times. I know Harlow got it a few times. We've had it, we've we've said Calypso a lot so far in this podcast. So Harlow knocked me out 29-27 on Calypso. Uh, one errant shot by me on a 
on, on a par three and lost two strokes and couldn't make it up. He just played clean the whole way. Uh, and then the other one, uh, Paul Luna knocked out Lance Harris. So uh, Lance Harris and I finished 7-8. Um, yeah, that's, that's still a, a really deep run. You know, you know, Lance came off at a pretty good number. Um, a lot of folks laying down odds and, and looking at numbers with Lance Harris just due to his sheer game volume and, and also his scores he puts up. And then we had talked about previously on the podcast about, you know, tournament experience. And, and I don't know if nerves got to Lance. I, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch that match. So I didn't see if there was anything jittery that got with Lance. But, but he's a well-established player. And, and obviously, you know, Luna dropping a 28 on Rhineland, that's, that, that can set up very tough. And Lance dropping a 23, and, and he's playing the stout balls, taking out some of that wind. I, I, I'd like to go, go back and see that if they potentially upload that stream. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, we talk about some of these scores, and obviously Lance Harris isn't happy with a 23, but very likely there was a you know one or a two-stroke game going into 16, 17, 18, and at Where that you point had to you start got, chasing. You got to just start chasing. Yeah. And so, you know, Lance Harris is chasing a hole in one on hole 18 because he needs it. Well, okay, then he yeah, yeah. then he screws it up, and then he chips it across the green, and all of a sudden it's a 23, and it doesn't look real good on paper. But you yeah, know, he, he he you know maybe he was down one going to 18. Who knows? Agreed. All right, we're back. I uh, I apologize for the delay. Like we uh, talked about, I'm kind of slurring my words here. Uh, Whammy and I finally got fully recovered here uh, from the world's tourney, uh, but we're we're back at it, having some beers, sitting out here on a patio. I had to hit the restroom, but uh, we're gonna continue to go over the bracket here, Tony. If you want to kind of break that down, still. Yep. So uh, where we left the losers or the winners bracket last, we had the semifinals, uh, and that pitted uh, Evan Gossett against Seth Stanfer. They played Rhineland, and Gossett got the win there, 28-25. And then on the other side, we had JoJo playing Mark, a uh, rematch of last year's championship. And yeah. uh, they went to extras on Royal, uh, and JoJo ended up coming out ahead on the extra holes. And then waiting for them on the loser's bracket was Jeff Harlow, who had knocked me out. He ended up playing um, Mark Stenmark. Also went to extra. How many extra holes did Mark Stenmark play? Good lord, he just wanted a bunch of extra games. He hasn't yeah. played a lot recently in the last year, so he thought he'd get some more yeah. gameplay in with some extra holes. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, For, former world champion from last year. He'd uh, just recently moved to Kansas, yep. and obviously getting transplanted. I, I think in the last month and a half or so, we we saw him ramping up his gameplay. But in terms of trying to discover these courses much less with the new tee boxes we've got a huge new assortment of tee boxes i don't know if that played a fact into it um but but he's obviously a championship caliber player um but but he made it very very deep and then ultimately you know lo- losing there is that that's that's tough yeah 28 28 on mystic you never know if that's a, a one better or a one worse depending on how things set up but um you know going to extras again losing to harlow and extras uh, on the, and then the other one, the, the other 5-6 match was uh, Paul Luna against uh, Standifer. Also extra holes, Rattlesnake 31-31. Uh, and Seth came out ahead there. Again, I don't, I don't know exactly where that went to, where that finished, but uh, Seth came out on top. <clears throat> so that sets up a, uh, a third-fourth elimination match. Uh, Jeff Harlow against, against uh, Seth. And they played Mayfield, and Jeff Harlow took out Seth 28-26. Yeah, we we had talked about in the previous, you know, podcast looking at different groups of folks and had spoken about Jeff Harlow being a former world champion yep. and someone who can run deep where you might not see him out that often. 
but, but he's so stone cold, and, and, he, and he's proved it here, you know, taking down Seth, obviously guaranteeing himself a top three finish. Yeah, and, and he was he was a guy that, I don't remember exactly what he came off the original odds at, 50 to 1, 40 to 1, quickly got bet down below yes. that, down to 15 or 20 to 1, and, you know, he didn't end up winning, but it ended up being some pretty smart money at uh, whatever he ended up at, 20 to 1 or whatever. So, that... Then uh, Harlow, who would beat Seth there on Mayfield, was waiting for the loser of the King of the Hill match, which was Evan against JoJo. And uh, they played Mayfield, and Evan played at least a par round, maybe one better, not not sure. 31 to 29, took out JoJo. Uh, whether a uh, hole five was drivable or not would, de- would determine whether that was a one better. So that sent JoJo to the loser's bracket. And, and all power K top three. Yeah, that, that that's amazing. Bastards. You, <laughs> you you talk about you talk about you know working with a local vendor, so you can get discounted games and discount pricing, get that sheer volume, and, and they've obviously represented with Power Events, you know who who owns the machines down St. Charles St. St. Louis area. Um, that that's an absolutely great showing for them. You know, folks definitely gave them a shout out on on Facebook, on Twitter. You know, taking the top four pictures, obviously Seth is included in that, being from Tennessee, but just an amazing showing from those group of guys. Yep. So then uh, in the uh, elimination match, uh, loser gets third. Harlow played JoJo, and JoJo beat him 27-25 on Calypso, which set up a rematch of the King of the Hill, uh, JoJo versus Evan, and they ended up playing Rattlesnake, and I know that Evan got down a few early, yeah, and then uh, JoJo just kind of coasted, so JoJo ended up winning, which makes things more exciting. Yeah, one on one, head to head, winner winner takes all. One, yep. one match for the championship: twenty thousand dollars versus ten thousand dollars. That's a huge match. And then, uh, of course, they were either going to roll a Calypso or a Rattlesnake because those the only, <laughs> I think, the only two courses we ended up playing in this tournament. Uh, they rolled Rattlesnake, and uh, this time Evan Evan came out on top. And congrats to Evan for being the twenty eighteen world champ. Uh, you know, we yeah. talked about it in the in the the run up to Worlds. He had had a lot of, you know, he he went through a rough patch of results in late 2016, early 2017. But really, over the last calendar year, some really amazing results, some wins, some top threes, comes out with a World Championship right here. Yeah, Evan on hole 12. If if you watch the uh, stream on GoldenTee.com and GoldenTee TV, you saw that they laid up on hole 12 and that's where Evan actually, I think he had, gosh, a gap wedge or a nine iron and he chipped that in for the double eagle. So he, in essence, gained a stroke right there. And I don't want to say he went on cruise control because rail stake, you, you can still, you know, have some shaky holes there. But at that point, I think he realized as long as he kept his head level and played his game, he had the path to championship. Yeah, and I, I, Rattlesnake is interesting compared to a lot of other courses. I, I feel like if you're ahead after hole 12 on a lot of other courses, you're still not comfortable. Rattlesnake, your your meaty holes are really between hole, let's say, a hole two. Hole two can be a little bit meaty, but but really it's the hole seven through hole 12 that are really yeah. going to be the stroke deciders. And hole 12 especially can can really come up and bite you. Yeah, a- after that you're talking about the quality of the caliber of the players here, and with Evan getting up a stroke after hole 12, uh, again, he, he didn't necessarily go into cruise control, but it would have to take an epic meltdown 
to basically dump a stroke or yeah, two. Yeah, or a whole lot, of course. But yeah, Jojo. And, and let Jojo. Jojo yeah, and, and let Jojo back in that match. So, so kudos to Evan. That's that's absolutely huge. Yeah. So obviously, congratulations to Evan. Congratulations to Incredible Technologies for an incredible tournament. Uh, the the setup uh, the setup last year was was great. You know, we had fun last year. The setup this year was just next level, right? The, yeah. Having the stage at the Orleans was incredible. Just having the whole atmosphere at the Orleans was great. And and I know that the Orleans really, really enjoyed having us there. Yeah, I, I, I think with, with the whole showroom, last year was a little bit crowded at High Scores Arcade where it yeah. was tough to watch some of these matches as a spectator. If you'd either gotten knocked over tournament or you're waiting to see who you play next, or if you're, you know, a family and friend who's in attendance, it, it was tough to watch matches. It was, it was yeah. very crowded. But with this showroom and the 800 seat theater and two jumbo screens going on, you definitely had access to the gameplay, and you felt a lot closer to the action where you were watching it step by step and, and how it played out. So that that was absolutely huge. I mean, I, IT put on a great show. Uh, they're talking about having it there again next year, which I would be a 100% total backer of because it was it was a great setup. I think the casino absolutely loved us. They talked about the Golden Tee wagers were five times higher than NASCAR on that. So if you've seen the Facebook posts where people posted the big board with the Golden Tee odds, you may notice off to the side you had Kevin Harvick and all these other NASCAR drivers going off on the odds board as well. And the Orleans had more action, five times more action put in on Golden Tee than a NASCAR event. So Which, this is really taking it to the next level. Yeah, so it'll be obviously the Orleans was really happy with that. Uh, it'll, and I and I know that the entire Boyd Gaming family was were offering odd, odds on Golden Tee, but none of the other casinos or the casino families within Las Vegas were. It'll be interesting to see if next year some of those other casinos try to get on, in on some of the action and, and offer odds themselves. Yeah, in, in looking at it, the only offer that Boyd Game had was for the champion. I mean, will they start yeah, yeah. doing over-under on qualifying scores? Because I know IT released the courses on the previous night. So prior to the qualifying round, you knew what five courses were going to be in play, what you could have action on, which is a viable betting option if they have the time to make that and shift and adjust to that. Yeah, I, yeah, it was it was set up through the Las Vegas Gaming Commission or something like that, where it had to be just for the winner of the championship, and th and that was great. That's a great first step. But there's other things oh, that yeah. can be bet on. But like Will said qualifying scores. I think it would be tough, kind of in the middle of the bracket, to do some live betting on. Okay, looks like Mark Stenmark's playing. Yeah. Jeff Harlow, what what are the odds? That happens so fast a lot mm -hmm. of times in tournaments that'd be tough to do. But that first that first, once the bracket is set, once the bracket is set and you've got those first round uh, matchups overnight, that's a perfect betting matchup. So you you've got Andy Haas versus Jeff Harlow. Mm -hmm. You know Andy Haas was one of the betting favorites. Jeff Harlow was one of the you know longer shots, the last guy in the field. Andy Haas shot a minus one fifty qualifier. What would yeah. that line have been? Andy Haas. You know, minus three hundred. Jeff Harlow plus four hundred. That's an interesting bet right there. Oh, so these are the type of bets that maybe next year they'll start to, you know, they'll go back to that Las Vegas Gaming Commission and say, you know, here are some other things we'd like to take wagers on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Boyd Gaming necessarily underestimated the Golden Tee people or their friends and family, but like we talked about, five times as much action as on NASCAR. I mean, there, there are multiple guys walking up to the betting window when we sit there and look at lines, and they're dropping four to 500 on one player and then dropping 
200, 100 on this player and that player. There, there was a lot of action being thrown around, and you can see that. We tried to talk about in the podcast how the lines were shifting fairly heavily, not necessarily yep. at the top, but also at the bottom. You know, Jeff Harlow making move. That There were a lot of guys whose numbers really changed throughout that 72 hours leading up to the main event. So for those of you who haven't uh, been following Golden Tee as often on Facebook or Twitter, um, Golden Tee is actually starting to release the 2019 courses. I'm, I'm pretty exciting about, excited about this. Uh, in their post on their website as well as Facebook, they talked about how they're trying to up the graphics. They, you know, Royal Dubai last year, a night course, so you had different backgrounds and different screenshots. And they talked about the new course, Agave Ranch, I believe, yeah. uh, coming out. First course to be announced uh, in their location down in Arizona, so that's pretty exciting. But they also talked about the graphics upgrade. Uh, and not necessarily with the video card or the memory or anything like that, but trying to take the background scene to the next level where you might not be playing the game, but as a local at a bar, you might see that and go, wow, that looks really cool. Standing next to a big buck hunter or any other video game, customers might say, what is that? I want to play that. Yeah, so Agave Ranch you know, was the first one they released. We're recording this on a Monday. They're going to release a course name and theme every day this week. And then next week, they're going to release images of each course, I assume kind of in the same order. Uh, the, the story on Agave Ranch is, like we said, it's like Will said, it's, it's in Arizona. Uh, but it sounds like they're also going to play with the day-night theme that, that we first played with on Royal Dubai. So my, my personal guess is that the first, maybe the front nine is sun is setting, sun's going down, and then the back nine is... We got some lights on. Yeah, you got out of work late. You're going out for happy hour trying to sneak in a quick 18. You know, maybe the wife's out shopping or something. Or what would be really interesting is if they actually base it on the time of day, right? So if yeah. you play, if you're if you're a day banger, like... Uh, that would be an interesting then, then A uh, timestamp on the yeah, game. Yeah, timestamp. Then the Agave Ranch is, is uh, lit up like the day. Yeah, fully if lit up. If, if you're playing at night, if you're if, if you're a night banger, then uh, then all of a sudden you got the lights on. Do, so do you think? Do you think Jim Zielinski programmed that in, or how, how does that work? Does well, that go back to the coders? Well, I know that the coder the coding isn't closed for another six weeks, according to to Don. So uh, maybe they might code that in. I think that's it, a sweet it, idea. Interesting. You know, Arizona's right right around the fault line. You know, we we we'd love <laughs> oh, to see a fissure. Unfortunately, oh no. Um, <laughs> It wasn't top ten, but uh, the, the fissure—it's—it's it's a likely scenario. I, I mean, haven't heard a lot, a, a lot about earthquakes in Arizona, but you know, maybe if there's a California course or, or really anywhere in the world, you know, they, everywhere has earthquakes. And yeah, it just takes one earthquake, you get yourself a fissure. F- All of a sudden, lines. you got yourself a whole new Golden Tee golf hole. Yeah, this this is official, folks. I mean, I mean think about it, guys. There are fault lines throughout the world. Uh, we're we're, we're going to continue on here. Uh, we, we talked about Agave Ranch, obviously, as the, as the new course. But then we flip back. IT is still going through the classic course of the week. And last week it was Desert Valley. Right now it's Palm Springs. So, Tony, if you want to talk about Palm Springs. Yeah, I think each week we want to talk about the classic course of the week a little bit. Uh, you know, we'll, I'll kind of go through hole by hole, but really a, a high-level look at the course maybe a little bit of a preview of what you know a lot of us have kind of our standard club set that we use yeah and it's got the clubs that we're used to using occasionally we'll run into a course where you might need a special club you might need a zero hybrid you might need a two hybrid you yeah, might need a lob with, wedge you might you, there's a lot of things you might need you might need a low loft driver instead of a higher higher loft driver and so we want to talk about some of those things as well yeah with it with the new t boxes currently for the 2018 courses you look at a whole like 
Rhineland 18, where I don't think anyone in their right mind on the previous tee boxes for the first half of the year had a zero bird. Yeah. Or, you know, a, a low T2 hybrid, but all of a sudden you get to hole 18 on Rhineland, those clubs become extremely valuable. Yeah, and, and I think that, that Palm Springs is not a course that necessarily requires specific clubs, although I happen to actually, after a couple rounds on Palm Springs today, I did change my club set a little bit. Um, and and I'll, maybe I'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the, the run through. So I'm just gonna go real quick, hole by hole. Uh, hole one, pretty straight up straight away par four most of the time not drivable will and i played some before this happen to have a drivable setup what the the front of the three tee boxes is kind of borderline if you get yourself a little bit of a tailwind or a little bit of a little bit of a, a slice wind to, to ride your a1 you might get on the green uh, hole two is a par five you, you get a couple options there depending on where you're at in the tee box uh, you might be able to just blast over the water and over the bunker or depending if if you're far enough back you might have to lay up even if you have to lay up at the end of the first fairway, not a big deal. You still get yourself a 290 or a, a 310 driver in. Yeah, you Shouldn't definitely can have a look at that. Uh, so that was the first of the par fives. Next, we got the first of the par threes. This is uh, so Palm Springs is a type of course. Uh, Andy Fox, shout out to Andy Fox. I call this devil's course. It's a <laughs> six six six. You got six par fours, six par threes, six par fives. Palm Springs, I think, is the only devil's course that we've got. In, uh, in Golden Tee. Uh, there was a, a local actual golf course here in Minnesota that just closed last year. It was the only devil's course that we had here. Rest in peace, Mississippi Dunes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I love those was, par fives. It, it was a great course with uh, railroad ties implemented into the bunkers. And uh, then they implemented no sand into the bunkers. Yeah, it and was no a, grass on the greens and no grass on the fairways. It, it was right along the Mississippi River. There, it was a beautiful know, spot. Yeah, kind of like Golden to you had uh, you had some you know holes that seemed to set up at like 570 yards, and all of a sudden you get to the backside and you have a par three that's like 89 yards right next to the clubhouse. Yeah. So uh, well, that was a little bit of a <laughs> sidetrack there, but so uh, Palm <laughs> Springs number three, the first of the par threes. A lot of like uh, island greens here on Palm Springs. Yeah. Uh, they're all relatively doable in terms of distance. Most of them between 130 and one and 200. Um, hole four, we got a we got a par par five. Uh, don't bother with bending around the trees. You want to just blast up near the water as far as you can. Get yourself a big A1 and find yourself a three wood in from there. Uh, from there, we got hole five, which is kind of a plain Jane par four. Uh, we didn't talk about it on hole one. We might talk about it here. Sometimes sometimes these plain Jane hole hole par fours set up for what we would call a sand sniper yes or a missile missile depending yeah, yeah and, I, I, and it's and it's a, the the idea being if you go if you put in the in the sand instead of the fairway you're hitting a lower loft club in which takes the wind out of play and you really correct. give your you give yourself a chance for a hole out yeah if, if on some of these par fours you find yourself hitting six seven eight iron in a lot if you dump it into the bunker, which might not be standard play, all of a sudden you're in the bunker, and as opposed to having a six, seven, eight iron into the green, you're having a you five know, hybrid. Yeah, I mean that's the perfect sand sniper. Club. Yeah, and and it's taking you know we, we talked about stouts a little bit before where you're taking the wind out of play, but when you're in the sand, the wind affects it much less because you're using a lower lofted club and you're getting a lot of run out where you're literally going right at the hole. Yeah, you just, you with, throw a little bite on there and it just you know, you just let it run right at the hole and yeah, give yourself so a chance for a hole out. Because you know, th these courses, you know, with tees and with all the skill of the players, 
lot of times on these courses you're chasing hole outs and so you got to give yep. yourself the best opportunity every chance you have and if you've got just kind of a boring par four throw it in the bunker try to find your hole out there yeah send in a minnesota missile <laughs> uh hole six got a normal kind of par three into a, a down six green uh hole seven what used to be the only shot you would ever hit over a house, but then they made Mayfield, and now you yes. have all kinds of <laughs> shots Town over course. houses. Uh, the original over the house hole, uh, pretty short par four, usually between a, I don't know, seven iron or seven hybrid to up maybe yeah. maybe to an eight wood if, yeah. you're, if you're taking yeah, some distance Short off. to mid-range iron, typically, uh, Tony talked about hitting over a house. I, I still haven't seen it yet, but I, I think my grandma's on the patio having a cigarette on that hole. <laughs> Uh, hole uh, hole eight, another par three. Uh, looks a lot like hole six. Uh, hole hole nine, another par par five. Gets a little interesting here. We got we got a jungle gym off to the left, which is which is your typical landing spot. So there's a little grass patch in the middle of the pavement uh, with a, a sandbox and some swings and a jungle gym. And most of the time, that's where you're gonna go. If if you find yourself at the front of the tee box, you can you can blast a high tee. Uh, 290 or 310 around to the right and give yourself a fairway shot there but most of the time you're going to the uh, to the grass patch and it's a, a little bit a uh, little bit random from there I, yeah. I hit what I thought was a pretty good shot to a good spot there and I, I happen to catch a crossbar of the swing set with a five wood yeah and uh, so not so, my favorite hole but you know, it's yeah, interesting. So, yeah, so on Palm Springs number nine, Tony had talked about where rattlesnake can get interesting between a few holes. Typically, Palm Springs, it's very straightforward, and this is where it can kind of get a little dicey. This is where it starts to get a little interesting on yeah. Palm Springs is, is hole nine where, you know, I've ended up in the sandbox. I've ended up behind a swing. You're hitting a jungle gym. It's uh, definitely one of Mr. Zielinski's, uh more creative holes, to say the least. Must have been a, a playground that he played at growing up that he wanted to pay yes, homage yeah. to. Uh, next we got pr probably the most interesting and my least favorite hole on this course just because I'm terrible at a hole 10 which is a almost always drivable hard four unless you're me and then you never drive it. <laughs> uh, apparently there's a shot that everybody knows but me because I'm just a birdie on this hole but in theory you could play uh, you could play a 290 driver a 310 driver under the usually under the trees Seems like we got a lot of Invisaleafs on this hole, which always kind of reach up and grab me right when I think you hit a good shot. But in theory, it's going to be drivable most of the time. Yeah, you're looking at a variation of a of an A1 here, and it might not be a full A1. It might be a half and half, but a, a lot of times you're going to see the guys who are very skilled at this game getting either on the green or close enough to get a ship chip at this hole uh like tony said i'm i'm not the greatest at this hole so i think this this week of classic course of the week uh this hole can be a make or break round for some folks you yeah. get some unplayables you can get behind desert bushes and all of a sudden you have a short par four that a lot of folks are getting eagle on and you're behind an obstacle and all of a sudden you're taking a par and giving up a stroke if not two yep absolutely uh next up hole 11 which which used to be which is a really long par five it used to be occasionally almost shut down yeah but now that we've got tees and we can just blast 380 to 400 yard drives not such a problem anymore i remember you know you get yourself a 300 yard right to left wind into a left six green and you're like oh my gosh this is a really tough par four par five sorry uh not so much anymore not so bad yeah the, the high tees have introduced it where 
back in the day, a lot of times you were hitting driver driver into the screen, and now it seems like you're hitting a high T driver and you're leaving yourself with a four, five, six wood going into it and not looking at it as an eagle hole, but a potential hole out hole, if not great shot point hole. Yep. Uh, hole 12, another par three. Again, we got six of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, hole 13, which is a par five. Most of the time, what I'm thinking on this hole is. You know, it sets you up dead down the fairway, and I'm either turning one left and doing an A1, or I'm turning one right and doing a C3, and it's going to depend on the wind a little bit. So, so how does that depend on the wind, Tony? Because I know you talk about A1s and C3s, and if you want to explain to the folks what your mindset is in terms of hitting an A1 or a C3. Yeah, so if, if I want to end up, in this case, I want to end up right where it's aiming me. I, it's aiming me dead down the fairway, and that's mm-hmm. where I want to end up. But in order to maximize my distance, I gotta hit a big A1 or a C3 shot. And so, uh, all things being equal, if I hit a, if I turn one to the left and hit a big A1, I'm gonna end up a little bit to the right of my original line. And if I hit a, and conversely, if I hit a big C3, I'm gonna end up a little bit left of my original line. So in this, in this case, on this hole, I'm looking at the wind. And so if the, whichever way the wind is blowing, I want to fight it because I end up. Yeah. I want to, I want to fight the wind. In terms of the direction, so that to hold it back. So in the I fairway. hold it again back dead straight. So yeah. that's kind of my thought on this hole. Uh, occasionally, if it's if you got the back box, if you got rain, wind in your face, you might not. You might have to lay back. There's a little bit of a layup spot before the trees. I know Will played that earlier. Yeah. Prior Most to the, of the time, I'm blasting it deep though. Yeah. That probably. 85 90% of the time unless you get that big headwind where it's tough to get it out there to have a shorter approach to the green uh, left side of the fairway just prior to the tree line and you're gonna leave yourself a driver in there and it can still be a tough setup uh, but you're gonna give yourself a shot whereas opposed to having that headwind you hit an a1 or a c3 and you're behind the trees yep. uh, next up we got uh, kind of a, a plain Jane par 4 hole 14 I'm sure Mouth has driven it before, but I never have. Uh, maybe they didn't, maybe they, with a Super A1, but yeah, they, not they didn't. They didn't have YouTube's back then, but I'm sure he's done it. Yeah, he's probably been over the green. Uh, next up, we got a, another another par three. Um, one of many island par threes on this course. A lot of water in Arizona. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well. Uh, is this is this Cal- this is California? California? Oh. Yeah, this is a desert life. You I, know? I didn't major in geography. <laughs> uh, hole sixteen, we got what used to. It seems like it used to be a really difficult par par five. Uh, it used to be hard to get a, you know far enough down the fairway to to get a good look at the screen. At this point, not so much anymore. Yeah, you were typically driving it into the fairway and most likely looking at a cut shot in the green. And depending on the wind setup and obviously the slope of the green you might have a tough time just sticking the green, but now with taking tees back to the classic courses, the previous ones, you're looking a lot of times where you're getting past the tree line where you're gonna have a straight shot in the green, and you should be looking at a pretty easy eagle here with a mid-range iron. Yeah, the, the, only, uh, the only thing that might come up here is you might have a big crosswind into a, a green that, you know, a down five, right five green, can be a little bit of a tricky shot. And, and actually with, with tees, in theory, if you had the very front tee box with a favorable wind, you might be able to get actually really up close to Yeah, the within chipping distance, definitely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of chipping distance, we've got hole 17. Uh, last week was desert hole 6, shortest par 3 in Golden Sea history, or one of. Now we've got a, another extremely short par 3. Uh, 
get out your wedges, boys. The pyro set. Yeah, the the, the pyro set. I, I think a lot of folks who uh, have kind of a non-traditional set here might look at their Build-A-Bag and think, wow, I only have those two wedges in there, and they're going to look back to a club set they bought a couple years ago, and they're going to have a four-wedge option here. Um, because yeah. this hole, it never sets up long. There, there's only the one tee box, and you're gonna you're gonna have between about what 40 and probably 80 yards going into this. Um, so, so with the wind of a hole 17, you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot stronger winds where you have a headwind or a tailwind, and that pyro sit could come into play because you're gonna have such a variety of wedges. Yeah, I mean, my my standard bag. My shortest club is my gap wedge, and that's a 70-yard club, and then I go up to 9-iron from there, and that's a 100-yard club. And 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 I, at the beginning of this, I mentioned, you know, I, I tweaked my bag a little bit. I actually end up using the same bag that I use on Mystic Hills, which is a bag that ha- that loses my forewood, so I lose a little bit there, but it has a lob wedge. And this is, you know, I don't need a lob wedge on this hole, but it makes it a little bit easier um, because, you know, the distances are going to vary, again, between 40 and... 40 and 80 yards, and having a lob wedge versus uh, a sand wedge or a gap wedge just makes things a little bit easier. Yeah, and I think that lob wedge that Tony talks about, previously having a gap wedge that he had, having a lob wedge on 17 is going to transition perfectly into hole 18, and Tony can talk about that. Yeah, ideally you're not going to need a lob wedge here. Yes, but you might. If you're playing, if you're playing correctly. Yeah. If you're, uh, so this is a pretty can be a pretty tough par four. I mean. It, Everything gets easier with tees and, you know, a 290 driver and a 310 driver and a 3-wood and a 4-wood and all these clubs. Everything gets a little bit easier, but this is still a really difficult hole. Especially yes. since you're always going to have pretty big wins and you got yourself an up-10 green. Yeah. And, and so uh, you'd love to stick the green every time, but that's not going to be the case. And basically every time you miss this green, you're either short in the water or long in the desert. and Without a lob wedge, if you're long, you are dead. Yeah, f- facing a big uphill. So when you tee off on hole 18, you're, you're going to look at it. And one of the things about the old courses versus the new courses, which is a fun part of classic course of the week, is that this green is really, really wide. So there's a lot of pin variety. But if you look at it, it's not very deep. So to what Tony talked about, a lot of times you might be short in the water, even using a tee. Or you may misjudge the wind, and you might be long and over in the desert, and you're facing probably a you know 20 foot hill that you have to get over. And with a gap wedge or some of these other wedges, you're not going to have a very oppor- very good opportunity to much less get out. But Tony had to turn right twice a couple times earlier with his gap wedge, and just try to leave himself a 70 foot putt as opposed yeah. to having a lob wedge where he could go straight at the hole and hopefully have a, a 15 to 20 foot. Yeah, and, and even with the lob wedge, it's, it's, it's no guarantee, but it just makes things a lot easier. Uh, you know, like I said, I had to take a forward out of my bag to do it. The forward is there, not because I need a forward for any shot, but you know, it's it, a comfort it, it fills club. A gap. It fills a gap between the three wood and the five wood. It's a comfort club it's a for comfort sure. Club, and but you know, that's if I'm if I'm tweaking my bag at all, if I'm adding a zero hybrid or I'm adding a two hybrid, or in this case, I'm adding a lob wedge. Four wood is the first club to go. Yeah, because it, it, like Will said, it's a comfort club. Yeah, you, you you can definitely slightly cut down a three wood, or you can overly hit a five wood to kind of make up for that distance. But on a hole like 17, now on a hole 18, where it's getting crunch time, and you're trying to get top three, top four, top ten to try to make that and maybe make a little money off of this, um, hole hole 18 can definitely be a make or breaker here. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna. 
wind down our podcast here this week. Uh, actually, you know, ended up we ended up breaking down Palm Springs a lot more than I would normally uh, break down Palm Springs. I don't think it's all that interesting of a course, but we made it sound really interesting. So yeah. uh, get out there and play it this week. You've only got a week to do it. Uh, next week it'll be a different course. I don't know what course yet, uh, but we will be able. To, we'll be here to break it down for you. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it on Sunday night. Uh, yes. We'll be able to get the get the course a couple hours ahead of time from the guys at IT, break that down for you, and get you excited to play the course on Monday morning or Monday afternoon, Monday happy hour, whatever. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a great time of the year where they're, where they're mixing it back in. You know, obviously having the the five 2018 courses and they're and they're going back, adding the retro courses, Rattlesnake and Mystic Hills. That puts it at seven. Then you throw in an eighth course for ply, prize play with uh, Palm Springs and some of the other ones. It's it's just a really fun time of the year. I, I know a lot of folks will go out during the summer and their kids have softball, baseball, soccer. Folks are going up to the lake. They're traveling. Uh, but you really get to experience it in a new way. So this this is a really fun time of the year, and we, we hope to keep bringing it to you. So we're going to close it out here at the uh, Podmore Get Better Golden Tea Podcast here. We got, uh, we got some fireworks in the background. Yeah, we got neighborhood fireworks going off. We got, we got cars going by. We're uh, still broadcasting from the patio here. But, you know, we had anticipated potentially doing something either late Sunday night or early Monday morning prior to flying out from Las Vegas for the World Championships. And I don't want to say it was a good thing, but it, it kind of gave me time to get my bearings and put things in perspective about how amazing that World Championship weekend was. From Golden Tee putting it on, Power Events hosting that with Russ and Steve and Paige and all the IT employees putting so much effort into it. Richard King and Caitlin Ivey going crazy, trying to make sure the stream was going for folks that couldn't make it out there. It, it was such an amazing show. My, my mind was blown being, I think that was my fifth world championship. Um, and, and it was like nothing I had expected. Even seeing the pictures a day before flying out, it was, it was so spectacular to be a part of. So kudos to IT. It was fantastic. Yeah. It, it's always tough. Uh, I think I speak for a lot of Golden Tee guys. It's always tough the first couple days after a Golden Tee tournament. You're 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 pretty drained. What could have should have been? Yeah. What could have should have been? A few drinks that you shouldn't have drank. <laughs> but uh, but ultimately, you know, like Will said, you give give yourself a little time to, to sink back in, get the juices back flowing, and uh, you know we're only a few months away from new courses. We got some we got some tournaments over the next couple months. We got uh, Cincy, I think, is the next major. After that, we've got Richmond, and then that, that usually is right around when the new courses are released. Fun time of the year. Yeah, and then uh, and then the last tournament of the year. These are all power events tournaments. Uh, last event of the year is is Houston, which is the Houston tournament itself, but also the Player of the Year tournament. The Top Gun, yeah. Yep, and the Top Gun. Yep, sorry. And then uh, actually, uh, should shout out to Club Lucky for their 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 TOC, the tournament champions for them as well. So uh, we're gonna close it out right here. Uh, we will hopefully talk to you next Sunday night, and we'll cover some uh, stuff of the week. We'll talk about all the new courses that IT's announced over the last week, as well as whatever uh, the next classic course of the week is. We'll give another breakdown of that. So uh, make sure to follow us on uh, iTunes or subscribe on iTunes, whatever the terminology. It's not even iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe or download or whatever that is. Uh, and uh, so you'll find us there. Give us a rating if you feel like it. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.